Welcome to Dr. Dave on Call, where we discuss your health, your well-being, and everything in between. I'm your host, Dr. Dave Nyack. I want to wish everybody a happy belated New Year's. It's our first episode for the 2021 year. We hope everybody is staying safe as the COVID pandemic continues to rage on throughout the world. Um, we hope that you are staying safe and healthy and that as the vaccine rollout continues to take place, um, we hope that you are just, you know, implementing the three W's while you are awaiting your vaccine, whether you're a healthcare professional, you're um, an at-risk individual, or you're an elderly person. Um, we hope that if you do have the opportunity to go ahead and get vaccinated. Hey, today we have a really, really exciting episode for you. Very relevant indeed. Uh, we are going to be discussing pediatric mental health um, with Dr. Karen Pierce. She is our actually our first returning guest of the podcast series. Dr. Pierce is a child and adolescent psychiatrist, and she is outstanding. Um, for those of you that don't remember Dr. Pierce, um, I really encourage you to go back and check out episode seven on this same topic uh, back in um, late spring. We discussed uh, with Dr. Karen Pierce um, our, our, our children's mental health. We feel that this is a really relevant topic and that we should absolutely be talking about this subject. Hey, let us know what you think uh, about our podcasts um, and our video cast too as well. You can email us a question uh, at hello at drdaveoncall.com. You can tweet us at drdaveoncall. And just want to remind you guys, if you guys are enjoying it, uh, to please subscribe to it. You can download our podcast wherever you um, download your podcast too as well. And if you are liking our YouTube videos, please subscribe and give us a like. It's Dr. Dave on call over at YouTube. All right, so let's get started. Uh, we are going to be discussing pediatric mental health today. And overall, we know what the research is demonstrating now, that COVID-19 is drastically affecting the mental health of our children and adolescents. Um, we know now that depression, anxiety are prevalent and have actually worsened since the pandemic has started. Um, and we need to assess the short and long-term effects of COVID-19 on uh, children's overall mental health and well-being. And we're starting to see these effects of the pandemic uh, all over the world, actually. Um, for example, um, you know, in Italy and Spain, they measured the effects of these lockdowns and they surveyed uh, about 1,100 parents and about 86% of them reported changes in their children like difficulty concentrating, spending more time online, spending more time sleeping, less engagement of physical activity. Um, even in China, um, they studied uh, about 2,300 school children, found both anxiety and depression rose comparatively to rates um, that they've seen in previous studies too. And here at home in the United States, um, there's a survey conducted this past spring of about 3,300 high school students, and they found almost a third were reported to be unhappy and depressed, more so than usual um, in the past month. And 51% of them felt like um, that they were very uncertain about the future as well. And we're actually seeing it within the hospital system too. Um, beginning in April of 2020, the proportion of children's mental health-related ER visits um, among pediatric total ER visits has increased. Um, even throughout October, it's been elevated too. And if you compare um, that to 2019 for pediatric ER mental health-related visits um, between ages from 5 through 11, 
they're up 25%. And if you look at the adolescents, so 12 to 17 years of age, they're up 31%. So this is a, a very relevant topic that we need to talk about. Um, and how do we how do we understand this implications of pediatric mental health in terms of public health? Well, we definitely need to monitor um, the indicators of our children's mental health. We have to promote coping, uh, resilience, and expanding access to services uh, to support our, our children's mental health. It's going to be critical as this pandemic continues through 2021. Um, and, 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 and it's got to be at the forefront of our thoughts too as well. So I'm really excited to talk to Dr. Pierce today um, and, and to get to dive deep into what's going on that we're seeing in the community, in her practice, and, and in the hospitals too as well. So let's get at it, okay? Dr. Karen Pierce is a clinical associate professor at child psychiatry at Northwestern University, and we are honored to have her on our show today, uh, Dr. Davon Call. She's our first return guest, um, and since we last spoke in the spring, April, May-ish, uh, I am sure that you are extremely busy uh, addressing your mm -hmm. patients' needs. Um, let's talk about, you know, the most common mental health issues that you've been seeing in your practice and, and how have you been addressing um, these conditions that people are uh, experiencing during uh, the COVID pandemic? Thanks, Dave. Um, yes, incredibly busy because most of us are anxious and at with unease. This is unprecedented times. There is no certainty, no predictability, and each of us handle it in a really very different way. And I think for all of us, we have moments where that is difficult to handle. And I think when you're trying to raise your children and maybe work or taking care of loved ones or doing other things, that leaves a lot of instability. So the kinds of calls that are coming, most of them are really what are normal reactions to these times that have to be normalized because none of us are used to feeling anxious, out of control, not having choices the way we want to do. And I think the other thing about fear is that each of us have different things that we're carrying. Some people have lost loved ones. Some people have lost jobs. People have known people who haven't lost jobs. I've seen a couple of really terrified kids who live with their grandparents, and they're very worried about their grandparents. Again, a very normal worry. And yet, these are the times that we're having because, you know, the grandparents have been their babysitters for, you know, while their parents are trying to work. And so the kind of unknowing, I think, is really um, what we have to get used to um, and know what we know and not do what we don't know um, and go there. And I also think, too, the expectation in the beginning of the pandemic that maybe this would that this process would not last that long, maybe just a few weeks or a few months. And as the pandemic has, um, you know, progressed and raged onward, um, you know, we're going on almost uh, a year now, you know, it almost sets up this feeling of almost false hopes for, for children too, saying, oh, I can get back to school or I can go play with my friends or I can see grandma and grandpa. How do we address something like that in, the, in, in kids in terms of the realistic expectations? Well, since we don't really have a realistic expectation, I think we can't really give false hope to kids. 
I think probably the hardest part of doing this is for parents to look at themselves because your kids will take every, every, um, everything from you and how you're dealing with it. And I think as parents, it's really important that we're looking inside and how are we doing? Have we created false hopes for ourselves? Have we thought that we were going to get on a plane and visit, you know, so-and-so or go back to work? And we have to do our own work so that when our children are asking us those questions, we can say, yeah, I'm missing all of that too. And I don't really know. Because what kids seek is a constancy which our, which parenting provides. And you can't control what's out here in the world, but you can control how you're going to address to what's out there. And that's what kids are seeking more um, because we don't know when it's going to happen. And I think our schools have gone back and forth and back and forth. Kids have gone into school and they've gone back out of school. There are some kids in pods. There are some kids not in schools. Um, we're currently in Chicago right now, and you can see the Chicago public schools are having this struggle with their teachers and getting back to their classrooms. And I think as parents, we have to say, I'm so glad the adults are thinking about these issues. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know you're going to be safe. You're going to continue to learn, and we will see how the grown-ups and the science really works. And that's that back and forth we have to always be doing. Yeah, I, I mean, personally, I, I've become very comfortable at just saying I don't know to my kids. Mm-hmm. If they ask me, hey, you know, do you think we can get together with Grandma and Grandpa for the holidays? And I say, you know, I don't really know. And and now it's the questions about spring break. Can we go anywhere? And the question, and the answer is, I really don't know. You know, and it's just becoming more comfortable explaining that to the kids. Um, I, I will say this: How do you feel in terms of your practice and, and seeing what what uh, you know the kids are expressing? They're very resilient. It's it's unbelievable to see um, how resilient so many children are at pivoting. As you said, you know whether it's in school one week, out of school another week, or um, even self-isolating, they're very resilient at adapting to these new times. Um, because for kids, they are adaptive. Um, and some of that I really attribute to some households that are like that. But remember, as adults, we think we know what development should be and what kids should be doing. For kids, this is their brand new way of embracing it. They don't know that in, you know, fifth grade, you do the uh, Indian project in some of the schools or the Native American project now, you know, but we know that. And so kids will present to what's coming to them. It's our job as parents not to dangle, oh my gosh, you're going to miss this, you're going to miss this. They they don't really know that. They know it a little bit. Um, and the other piece that's really important for kids, until this, this may be the benefit of this um, pandemic, is kids didn't have alone time. They didn't have creative time. They didn't, all of us were so busy scheduling our kids and here and there and doing this and enriching them for kids just to be. What I am seeing are some of the most amazing creative things coming out of kids. Kids that, you know, whose parents say, I didn't know they were creative, but they had the space to be creative. The other piece that this is doing is um, we've really never done a public health where we've taken care of our neighbors. 
And wearing a mask is one of the best gifts you can give the universe right now. And for kids, for a while, I was saying thank you to all the kids wearing masks. And they would puff up their chest and be really proud because that altruism is a value that we all have. I hope most of us have, but how do we teach that altruism to kids? And that's the other piece of the pandemic. Now, I don't want to make everything seem like it's there. There are some people who are truly struggling. There are some people who don't have that resilience, who have the trouble of having that flexibility to be switching. And it's really our jobs as individuals is learning how to be flexibility. Um, So I am not technical. I'm not computer literate. I've never had any of those skills. Well, most of the kids I see um, are incredible flexible around the computer. And so they've helped me set up my Zoom and all of this other stuff. And just yesterday I had a kid, can't go back to college, really depressed, no kids are around. And um, somehow I didn't answer on my computer and I answered on my phone. And I didn't know how to do the Zoom appointment on my phone. And this kid, in the midst of her depression, in the midst of her loss, turns up and sits up and goes, Dr. P, here's what you got to do. And she gave me 10 instructions so we could do this thing on my phone. And I'm like, and I looked at her and I said, yes, I'm sorry you're losing some of your developmental stuff and you're not getting to be with peers, which is where you need to be. But look at what service you just gave. And this girl just popped up and could say, oh my God, I didn't even know I could teach that kind of stuff. And that's the pieces we have to grab when we see that in our children. So I do want to talk about that though. You know, this sort of learning off campus and being um, away from you know, our, our children and adolescent peers, um, you know, they're not getting as much socialization that they need. How, how should we recognize the negative mental health effects that this isolation can have on our kids? So developmentally, um, children need peers, especially adolescents, uh, especially preschoolers. That's how they learn and grow. Um, and I think as human beings, as adults, we need socialization. It's a key biological principle among all of us. And here's the dilemma. Kids are on Zoom in their classroom, and yet do we have more Zoom friendships, and what do we do about that? And sometimes we just have to sit with our kids around that loss and just accept that. Um, But there are other things you can do. I mean, doing safe distancing of getting kids outside and playing, seeing other people, um, you know, really um, there are ways of doing the socialization, but I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It is a loss and it is very, very um, difficult. I think as parents though, we have to be kind to our kids' developmental needs to have socialization probably one of my more frequent phone calls is my kid has uh, ruined the pandemic. They were outside with their friends and they were supposed to be on the porch and they're not six feet apart. And I go, sounds like they were just being kids, you know, and that's what I mean about flexible because kids have that need in a different way. Um, And again, safety first, 
but we have to give them room to be able to do that. Um, and I've been impressed with the cleverness that kids are doing with this thing called the internet and all of these other ways of doing things. It just makes me smile when I get to see that, but we can't take away what that's going to be like. Um, I think when I was here last time, uh, I have a 93-year-old father who's alive through the Depression, and we were doing a socially distancing picnic. And, you know, we go to throw away everything, and not my dad. He picks up the unused silverware, the unused napkins, and he folds it and puts it away because that's his Depression mentality that you don't throw away good things. I do think we're going to have an impact on our kids with this developmentally. I just don't know what it is, and I don't want to judge it as good or bad. It's going to be different. Um, and I think the most we can do is really be watching along the way to do to make sure our kids are doing what needs to be done in a preventive way, too, and giving them tools to manage. Yeah, I think, I think as well um, that we have such a, a compressed uh, timetable of what we mm-hmm. thought was going to be developing, whether it be technological breakthrough um, that our that our children, but not only children, but adults are showing too. I, I myself have gotten a lot better using Zoom and other technologies too, as well. Um, but as we stretch through this, and and you know we're over a year now, we have some therapy therapies and preventative measures like the vaccine on the horizon too. A lot of people are asking, you know, what are what are going to be the, the long-term issues that we should be thinking about, um, especially in our kids and adolescents, being out of school this long and not being around their friends as we hopefully reintegrate and coming back to some sense of, you know, not necessarily pre-COVID, you know, um, lifestyle, but a new uh, sort of this new uh, post-COVID environment. Okay, Dave, you just did the question was, we have none of that predictions. We can guess. Okay, I think if um, I think for some kids, the reentry is going to be difficult, both because you can't figure out what's going on. I have a bunch of kids. It's called FOMO, fear of missing out. And their FOMO has gone away because they're not missing out on anything during this pandemic. And yet all of that stuff is going to return as we go back into classrooms and see that. Um, My hope, though, is. I don't know what it's going to look like or long-term, but are we equipping our kids with the tools to be able to deal with something differently? And that's really what we're talking about. I'm hoping in households, many households are, um, you know, using teamwork much more in their families. You know, kids are making dinner or cleaning up or doing other kinds of things to be able to do these skills that you wouldn't have had if you were doing your day as normal. And um, I think we don't know yet, Dave. I do think there will be, I think if you're anxious and you're re-exposing yourself, there's going to be a chance of having more anxiety. But I think we'll all be that way until we figure out, you know, where is our new normal. I agree. And I and I do want to say, firstly, Dr. Pierce, Karen, thank you for your help and just commitment during this pandemic, because without mental health professionals like yourself, we would be in a whole heap of trouble. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that also, I think, highlights the need for 
professionals like yourself and school counselors and so many more in the field of mental health. So I do want to just briefly talk politics here. So we have this, we have a new federal government administration coming in soon. Um, and we obviously on a local state um, and federal level need more, um, you know, resources for mental health and, and mental health professionals. Uh, help us, uh, what can we do to, to address pediatric mental health in our nation right now? Okay, this is the other thing that I spent a lot of time doing in the pandemic, and I don't think Dr. Dave really knows how much politics I do. And right now, um, there are several bills. This is uh, the gap year uh, Congress, our new Congress in Illinois is going to start. But um, actually, later this afternoon, I'm going to a state conference to really address uh, an all-state conference to address this. So there's a bunch of bills, part of the CARES bill, uh, and part of what got signed recently is mental health in schools. And so there is now going to be some federal dollars to do evidence-based mental health in schools so that we are doing much more social, emotional learning in schools. That's one. Two, um, there's been some very good work. Mental health care has been full of stigma and has not been well-respected, well-funded, even um, well-evidence-based. And there are some very, in fact, in Illinois, um, actually next week, a new bill is going to be introduced called the Ramstad Act, which will really improve um, uh, medical necessity and evidence-based treatment for behavioral health. And so... Um, people are very well aware of that. Um, here's the other beauty of the pandemic is that all of our legislators have been doing things virtual. I have been in a lot of virtual meetings uh, with senators, uh, both federally and state, to really talk about mental health needs and how do we fund it in an equitable way um, and do it in a way that gets people the help they need. Um, because psychiatrists have had 130 to 180 percent increase in uh, referrals. It's been amazing. Um, and unfortunately, addiction and overdoses is out of the roof again. Yes. And, and I strongly believe, especially with the advent, as you mentioned, of technology, right, and telemedicine and uh, making sure that um, not only insurances, but people who are on um, assisted programs have access to this care in a setting that, um, you know, precludes them from actually going to the office or actually having access in school, that they have these resources outside of that. Um, talk about, too, you know, those uh, children and adolescents in at-risk communities, people with lower socioeconomic groups and people who have um, a distinct disadvantage of access to, to care. What are, what are we seeing in those groups? So unfortunately, this virus has been very unkind to people of color and our Native Americans and Latinx populations. Um, and we, it really has uncovered the health disparities um, that are there. What's interesting is you can't talk about telehealth and mental health without talking about broadband and resource and need. And um, I think these deserts have all been in the same places. And so a lot of times these conversations are the same. Um, Actually, even in this administration, um, CMS um, Public Health has really 
embraced a lot of the loosening of telehealth rules and phone calls and things like that. And so I do think right now the equity issues are huge. And um, I think everything is going to be laid on equity um, going forward, um, because that is the other terrible tragedy that was exposed um, is where we're at. Oh, you know what? I'm going to say one more thing. So we got on this issue, and we're adults and we can talk about it, but kids can't really hear all of the news and all of the issues. I mean, I have a hard time digesting all of it all the time. And so I think as I'm talking as a child psychiatrist and we're talking about, I'm going to call it adult issues, we have to be very careful we filter that for our kids and be sure that, um, you know, we turn off the news. We're not always watching it. Um, the news is the news, and it's pretty sensational sometimes. And um, it's pretty tragic. And so we need to protect our kids still as, you know, not 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 talk about the truth, but we don't need them to be watching the daily news in the same way that um, maybe some of us are wanting to learn it and know it. Um, um, and that's a good developmental things you can be doing at home. I would agree. I, and to, to, to even take it one step further, implementing this sort of digital minimalism where we mm -hmm. really try to protect not only ourselves, but also our children in how much um, information we process and to understand you know, filtering out the noise and what is important, whereas mm -hmm. others that other sources that can be excessive that really honestly just increase the entire, um, you know, landscape filled with anxiety. And I think that can also stream down to our children and almost be projected onto our children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. And yes, I totally agree. Um, and actually the question that gets asked a lot is all this Zoom school, terrible for kids because you know kids aren't supposed to be on computers. Zoom school per se isn't what's so terrible about computer use. It's really the gaming or the socializing or the unsupervised uh, time on the computer that really is the problem. Um, school, you know, this is a necessity right now for kids to be learning. You can't take that away. And I have some families who wanted to count that as their two hours of time on the computer. And I say, no, 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 very different. Um, and play with your kids, play games with your kids, you know, read with your kids. These are really great, simple things that bring such joy to us all from doing all of that. And I've seen too, just the, the, the benefit that physical activity has on our kids, just even whether it's a walk around the uh, area you live or play and catch or just trying to get them physically outside uh, to have that sunlight uh, and, and even just to experience outdoors has been a tremendous benefit, not only in our family, but I've seen it in other uh, families as well. And the research suggests that because what we know is keeping some routine with your kids, whatever the routine is, bedtime, getting up time getting outside and doing something, having some fun time to just play. I think the problem with Zoom for uh, us who are working is I could be Zooming all day and forget to play. 
And we can't forget any of those kinds of things. And I think in some families uh, where parents are working and there's kids there, they've been, the parents have been forced to play. It's a great gift we've just been given uh, to be able to do that and to go outside. And no, I can't spiral a football, but I'm getting a little better. So. <laughs> and and I'll, I'll tell you, I, I, I do feel my age now because, you know, the physical activity that we're engaging in with our kids and around the community, it's been a really positive impact on, on my life too as well. I, I feel mm-hmm. getting outdoors has helped my, um, you know, not only physical, but more, more importantly, my emotional disposition too. Mm-hmm. Totally. There's nothing like sunlight to be able to do that. Um, but wearing a mask because Absolutely. I think there's that myth again. Um, that unfortunately that is the one thing we have to do to take care of each other. Um, and we're not, we're not free of it outside either. Um, so, and that's been hard for kids, the kids who play catch or they do my hoop, um, you know, that's on our block. Um, you know, they, they want to take their mask off, but we're outside. And I go, but you're, you know, three feet from each other you need to you need to be careful and just play horse i know it's not as fun so and i and as, as parents too i think we can be great examples for our kids too if we're wearing a mask and you know mom and dad grandma and grandpa everybody that we're um you know the, all of the adults in the room are, are doing their part to being altruistic I, I i definitely feel it spills down um even into the youngest kids uh you know even 2 3 year olds will say mm-hmm. yeah let me wear my mask you know and they they wear it and they it's almost a sense of pride um that mm-hmm. they feel when they wearing their mask you know then you've done a great job because we should be proud of taking care of one another that is really what this is about um and it's a sacrifice for us all but it's also a gift that we're giving each other um and um it's temporary. I hope those are the values. You said, what are the outcomes? This is a value I'd like everybody to have a year from now is that we're here to help one another and to take care of one another. I think that will be a great thing from the pandemic. Um, Dr. Karen Pierce, she is our resident uh, clinical uh, uh, adolescent and child psychiatrist here at Dr. Dave on call. Dr. Pierce, firstly, we thank you so much for your service and help during this pandemic to everybody that you have impacted. But again, thank you for being on our show today. You're uh, a great guest and a great human being. So we are just so privileged to have you on. Thank you very much. Keep it up, Dave. It's a good thing that you're doing this. Karen, we wish you the best. Uh, stay safe and healthy. Take care, Karen. Hey, special thanks to Dr. Karen Pierce to take time out of her busy schedule during this COVID-19 pandemic to discuss such an important issue about our children and adolescent uh, mental health and their well-being. It has become such an important topic um, and and focus both of parents and teachers um, and caretakers to understand and to be... um, attuned to what our children are going through during this pandemic since the spring. And as we know, that we are seeing the staggering effects uh, of this pandemic on pediatric mental health all over the world, where we've had increasing rates of depression, anxiety, pediatric ER visits. And we need to make sure that we're talking about these issues and keeping them at the forefront because we know that not only throughout 2021, but the effects of this pandemic will linger um, for years and that we need to make sure that 
Um, we as parents, but also professionals, are um, understanding what is going to be needed for our children, and both from a treatment perspective, but also from a diagnostic perspective, as well as um, a policy perspective too as well. So we are really grateful for Dr. Pierce for joining us today. And we hope that you all are enjoying um, our video podcast series too as well. Hey, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at uh, hello at drdaveoncall.com. You can even tweet us too at drdaveoncall. Uh, if you're enjoying our, our podcast, please subscribe too. Um, they're on our website, drdaveoncall.com. You can find them wherever you download your your podcast. And if you're enjoying our YouTube videos, please give us a subscribe, give us a like too. Feel free to comment to us too as well. We hope that everybody is staying safe and healthy during this COVID-19 pandemic. Cases are exploding. We're getting reports of, you know, variant strains throughout the, the world. Um, but, but please rest assured, if we can wash our hands, wear a mask, and watch our distance, making sure that we're not gathering only essential travel right now, these are the really important mitigation strategies that we can implement and, and to do our part to flatten the curve. I know it, it sounds monotonous and repetitive, but really flattening the curve is really what our job should be in, in doing our civic duty. But really wearing a mask, washing your hands and watching your distance, that's going to be the most important thing right now. And also too, you know, as you, as we get this vaccine rollout to be turning into high gear, if you have the opportunity to get your vaccine uh, please go ahead and take it. Um, it's doing your um, service not only to yourself, but your family, but also to your community to protect yourself from this really terrible disease. So again, we hope everybody's doing well, and we look forward to seeing you next time here on Dr. Dave On Call. Take care.